0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a
1: no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line podcast network.
0: we that's on the line, it's the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks,
2: Shut Barrett.
1: A hey, former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team.
2: We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable. Also a two time Dan Lemetard Show SUI winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And
1: we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate, Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Ladybacks. Welcome into to episode 201 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services studios. My name is Kyle Sutherland alongside Porter Hayes, and we thank you as always once again for joining us, whether you may be listening on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you have not already, and also... Take a couple extra seconds and leave a written review and a five-star rating. Help us continue to get our name out there and reach more people. The show is brought to you, as always, by our friends at BetOnline. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. Plus, the best part, it's free to sign up. So head to the website, BetOnline.com. Dot .ag on your desktop or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive fifty percent on your welcome on your welcome bonus from your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We have a special guest host with us tonight, the Godfather of HTP and the Managing Editor of SB Nation's Arkansas Fight, Jacob Davis. Jacob, welcome back, man. Appreciate you coming back to hang out with us.
0: Hey buddy, I'm doing good. Hey, I'm glad. Always, always
2: good time to be back, with my boys.
1: Definitely. Porter, what's going on with you, man? How are things up there in the River Valley?
2: I'm oh, doing good, man. Just another day, you know, hot. It's the only thing you can think about is the heat. and You know, trying to watch this College World Series, but it, it just don't – it's not the same with, with Arkansas not in it. But, man, I'll tell you what, we've had some really good games. That uh, that vandy uh, Stafford game last night was amazing.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of really good night games starting off with Texas and Mississippi State when – uh, Land, was, I think it was the night. Wasn't it the Texas and Mississippi State one when uh, Bednar and Landon Sims just could not be hit? Uh, that was a started off really good there. It's like all the night games have been. I think Ryan McGee tweeted about it on Thursday, talking about it. Uh, you know, there's been a couple of blowouts here and there, but overall just uh, phenomenal. But it's not quite the same that without the Razorbacks in there. But you know, hey man, there's always next year, right? That's what we pretty much live by, and so right, uh, but. Yeah, guys, you know, we talked about on Monday with my, I I really appreciate some of you reaching out to me, by the way, when I mentioned at the beginning of the show on Monday about uh, the stuff going on with my back, I still do not have an MRI. I'm not going to be able to get one until July 6th. So basically, uh, they're just kind of, I don't even know if I've told you guys that yet. So just a quick update on that. I've got to wait another basically week and a half, I guess, before I get that rolling. So it's going to be a fun next couple of weeks for me, but. Nonetheless, uh, got a lot of good stuff to talk about with you guys, and uh, we've got some recruiting that we're going to touch on. Now, this one's going to be for the listeners, man. Now, all the shows that we do are for you guys, but after the rant that Porter and I went on on Monday's show, kind of about Razorback fans going at Tennessee fans and other fan bases during the College World Series, we wanted to give you guys a chance to really air out your grievances, because... Look, we all need that sometimes. I know that I've definitely vented about how much I hate Ole Miss, and I certainly will vent more about that in the second segment when we get into this. But we put on Facebook and Twitter, and we got a a really great uh, outpouring of messages or comments. I guess you call it replies on Twitter. But we had around about 225, 250 of you reply to the teams that you hate the most. Yeah, it was was an outstanding. You guys always show up and show out. But – it was a big turnout of people talking about the certain schools and fan bases that they hate, and we will get a chance to sh- to tell everyone about those and and uh, get your voices out there in the second segment. But one of the many things that Jacob covers on the Arkansas fight, he, car- he covers a very – he and his team do a great job over there, and they cover a variety <laughs> of topics for SB Nation, and one of those is recruiting. And, Jacob, we've got a lot of big recruits on campus this week football camps are going on i know that there was some that concluded last week and some guys really showed out there but you know as, as far as the activity list up in Fayetteville going on right now i know that we've had a couple of big time basketball recruits there uh, Rammel lloyd and i can't remember his name something right who's like the 12th player in the entire kajani. country kajani kajani yeah cuz i'm not even i'm not going to start 5 minutes in already butchering somebody's name you know i'm good for that one show so uh but yeah, you've got guys like Gentry Williams, an athlete from Booker T. Washington, the 36th player overall in the country, Elijah Pritchard. These are just a couple of, of uh, out-of-state guys, but Elijah Pritchard, a 6'6 offensive tackle from Carver High School in Georgia, the 97th player overall, 11th in Georgia. And, Jacob, Georgia is a state that we've really began to hit since Sam Pittman came on board. Of course, you've got those ties with running backs coach Jimmy Smith. And we've always recruited Oklahoma. Of course, Booker T. Washington, I believe that's where Felix Jones went. So even back to the Houston Nut days before then, we've recruited Oklahoma. Chad Morris actually did a really good job of recruiting that state. What do you think about these two guys right here? I know Gentry Williams' OU seems to be the favorite. I'm not really sure a whole lot about Elijah Pritchard, but where where do you think we're at on these two four-stars right there, uh, some of the guys that are on campus this week?
0: So, as far as Gentry Williams goes, I mean, I feel like it's a long shot. Uh, but getting him to campus is a, is a big deal. I, I hope the same thing with Elijah Pritchard, too. They always say, if you can get him to campus, you have a chance. And I think they really do have a good chance uh, this weekend, or this week, to really make an impression. I mean, uh, Sam Pittman, you, you look at uh, you look up and down the offensive linemen and, and players that he brought in there, and it starts in Arkansas. I mean, you think about Luke Ragnow and you think about going down South to, to get in Denver Kirkland and you get think about Jalen Merrick, you think about a uh, Dan Skipper in Colorado, the guy's a national recruiter and he, and he gets these big time uh, four-star talent. I mean, he goes into St. Louis, a, a place that Arkansas, you know, you think, okay, Hey, it's just the about 300 miles north of us. You can go to St. Louis, you get Brian Wallace, who was a army all American. And, you know, Sam Pittman has a great track record. He probably has, uh, 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 who's the center right now? Uh, Ricky Stromberg, a guy that he inherited. He's probably going to coach him up. And some uh, places are saying that he might be the first center taking an NFL draft. So you think about Elijah Pritchard. There's a lot. Like I said in the last episode that I was in uh, a few months ago, is Sam Pittman can say, hey, these are the guys that I put in the NFL. These are the guys that are having success. Why not just you know, hey, you can go, you, uh, you have Matt Luke over there at Jordan. He's a fine offensive line coach, but come to the guru. Come to the man. Come to the pit boss. Let me coach you up. I can prove to you I can get you there in three years or four years. And I think that's a big selling point for Elijah Pritchard. Now, as far as Gentry Williams goes, uh, it's going to be tough to beat either Oklahoma or, uh, or USC for him but Arkansas has got a shot. Uh, they've always got a shot with Barry, a guy like Barry Odom and a guy like Sam Carter, who's done a terrific job. Uh, Booker T. Washington High School, is, like you said, uh, turned out a few guys that ended up being Razorbacks. Uh, Kawan Parker, who's also currently a Razorback. I think he was in the class of 2021. He's going uh, to be a key cog in trying to get Gentry Williams there. They were high school teammates out there in the, deep, the backfield for Booker
2: T. Washington. And, Jacob, you know, just with them able to have camps this year, unlike last year, I mean, one, how excited do you think the coaches are to get back and see some of this talent not on Zoom? And on the flip side, right. I mean, how much do you think this affects those campers that are going up there trying to show, you know, do it, something for themselves to up their, you know, D1 stock or whatever? With them able to have camps, I mean, do you think that has affected with knowing they didn't have it last year, coming into these camps, that they're going to give out more effort? Absolutely.
0: I, I mean, I think 110% more effort than what they would give at a regular camp. I mean, you, you've got opportunities here that nobody has in evaluation period. It's been an NCAA day period for the past 14 months. And here we are in the uh, first part, middle of June and, and these players that are coming out of nowhere, guys that, were, that had low three-star rankings, whether you look at rivals or whether you look at 247sports.com. And And these guys, they they have a chip on their shoulder. They want to bite, and they want to get that chance. And I think you're going to see, like, Alabama today, they took a three-star tight end slash wide receiver and and had him committed. I mean, he's a good-looking athlete. But, you know, you had these guys that maybe were under-recruited. You look at the 2020 class. uh, There's several kids that, you know, may come out of nowhere. Because, hey, they didn't know anything about them. And here we are, these kids that are juniors, uh, going to be seniors. This is probably their first camp opportunity. This is their chance. And I think they're going to absolutely afford it. They're going to give them 110% chance, uh, 110% uh, effort to uh, show out yeah. at these camps. I absolutely agree with that.
1: And probably the next guy that we're going to expect to see commit is uh, Nico Davile, which way well, that's probably going to be the next Razorback commit. We know that he's going to announce on June 27th. And Jacob, I know that you and I have talked about it for a while. We weren't really sure what way Nico was going to lean. There was some that were saying A&M. I've heard some LSUs, definitely Georgia. He's got OU as well as some big time offers. Once he dunked that basketball Last summer, I think it was sometime last summer, or last mm-hmm. spring, and the offers just started rolling in. Once people realize the true athleticism that he has, and is just a pretty good overall defensive lineman as well, and he can do a lot of stuff on offense too. For those that don't know, actually played quarterback up until like ninth grade, and then switched over to D line. But again, he's four star defensive tackle, 6'2", 265 out of Maumelle, and again, you know, he's got a very impressive offer list and. All signs are showing that he is going to pick Arkansas. Do you definitely expect him to be the next commitment for the Razorbacks for 2022?
0: Oh, absolutely. I think uh, any. I mean, anytime that you, if I, I'm not dreaming, right? I think he commits this uh, Sunday. I may, yeah, yeah this, uh, I may have seen that somewhere else, and it might. Okay, obviously, I mean Arkansas. I mean, this is his last official visit before he commits. Usually, that's a good sign. And his high school teammate, Andrew Chambly, is going to be there with him on his visit. There is a reason that he told Michigan State he's going to hold off on his official visit, that is Chambly, uh, to be up there this weekend. He, he's not being up there just to, just to hang out. He's there to hopefully ensure that Dalvier uh, commits to Arkansas. So I, I'm 99% sure that he will commit to Arkansas this weekend.
1: Yeah, you, like you said, Chambly's up there. There's some of the commits that are already there. Now, right now, this is probably going to change, especially if Nico is to commit. But as we were recording this, the Razorbacks are 20th in the country, 8th in the SEC. And some of the ones that are on campus other than Am- Andrew Chambly that are already committed, you got J.J. Hollingsworth, defensive end out of Greenland. Caden Henley, linebacker out of Shiloh Christian. Dax Courtney, tight end out of – I put DeWitt down. He's actually at, at Clarendon now. His dad was the head coach. His, his uh, dad, Mark, was the head coach at DeWitt and then took the job at Clarendon. So Dax and other Razorback commit Quincy McAdoo are there right now. But you look at this at the class overall, Jacob, and I, I don't think I've talked about Caden Henley on any of the shows. I mentioned him on a podcast that I was on a couple of weeks ago, but I watched him play in the state championship game for Shiloh Christian, and he wasn't just... Amazing at linebacker. He could do everything on offense. You heard his name on special teams. I actually remember as I was sitting there on Media Road covering the game telling Leland Barclay and some of the other guys and Jeremy Muck, those ones that were sitting by me, like, this kid is literally, I think I've got him in just about every single note that I am typing down after every single play. But he's one of the ones that we're not really talking about. You talk about Chambly, you talk about Rocket Sanders, you talk about a bunch of different guys. Or I'm sorry, Rocket Sanders is 2021. You talk about some of these other guys in this class, but you're not really mentioning Caden Henley a whole lot. You know, what do you think about like where where he's at at, at the linebacker spot there just what he can do?
0: You know, I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't paid much attention to Henley. I know he's a solid linebacker, like you said, he really showed out in the state championship game. But it also comes to the point of earlier, you know, these guys are under you You haven't seen them uh, play much or have, have much tape out there. But uh, from what I have heard, um, he's done a terrific job. And uh, I think he's going to be a serviceable linebacker. I think he uh, will absolutely uh, do well at the next level. Uh, we'll just see. I mean, he's, he's, he's quick. He He's he's a quick guy, tackles well, and he's just everywhere. And, I mean, it kind of reminds me of guys with, with heart that's up there in that Northwest Arkansas uh, side of the state. You know, you, you think of guys like Grant Morgan, you think of Drew Morgan. Uh, you think of the Hannah brothers, uh, just guys that have heart. They make them different up there in Northwest Arkansas, and, and I think he's going to be another one that's, you know, he may be under-recruited maybe uh, under-evaluated, but another guy that probably
2: going to surprise people. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, talking about Grant Morgan, I mean, how much of that do you think influences the coaches to start taking chances and give out these preferred walk-on offers to these kids that maybe two-star, three-stars, but yet they really want to be a Razorback because their ceiling could be higher than some four-star, five-star kid that's just going to Arkansas because they gave them the better offer.
0: Yeah, so that, that's the whole whole thing about the preferred walk on. And I think Brett Bielema did a good job uh, while he was while he was here at Arkansas, and that was developing guys that that were preferred walk ons. And you you think about guys like uh, Drew Morgan, you think of uh, Kevin Richardson the uh, third, what he became while he was at Arkansas, a guy that was a nobody. You think about uh, I don't I don't remember if Jeremy Sprinkle. I don't remember if he was a preferred walk on, but he was basically a nobody at a Whitehall High School. Um, you think about all these kids that were under-evaluated and under-recruited and, and they just snuck in. And, and I think you don't want to put your whole depth chart sprinkled in because that's eventually what happened to Brett was he was having to start so many guys like Ty Clary early on in their careers that, that weren't ready for this uh, level. But they were able to, to come in, work hard, and do well. And I think, I, I think that uh, it's definitely a good thing uh, that provides depth after a while.
1: Well, another under-recruited guy, Jacob, just like you mentioned, Richie, Ricky Stromberg, who could possibly be the first center taken. Yes. He he was committed to Tulsa. A lot of people don't remember this. Right around 2018, he was committed to Tulsa. I know he was very heavily looking at them. They were basically mm-hmm. his best offer. He hadn't been to many camps. He really hadn't gotten his name out there. And then Arkansas, that was one of the best moves that Chad Morris's staff probably made. And we, we always continuously say the great job that they did, that Justin Stepp did, that that Jeff Trade did that whole and Mark Smith that whole staff did of recruiting but one of the best moves that they I mean of course getting Jalen Catalan of course getting Traylon Burks but the the Diamond in the rough could easily be Ricky Stromberg, just because nobody really knew who he was. He was a two star, and now here we're talking about him possibly being a first, second, third round draft pick, and that just goes to show that you know that I really like what Sam. And that we always need to get, kind of take a step back, especially maybe not this time of year per se, but especially around the early signing period and National Signing Day, because look, we tend to get off like just looking at these stars. You just say, Oh, look we got another three star or why why can't Arkansas get more or five more four or five stars? Just like the other day. We got a long snapper that we put on Eli Stein, I believe is his name, that's got a scholarship. He's a five star by the rankings that now I believe with the specialist that they go off the four and five star rankings based on how you do at certain camps. So, to really get noticed yep. as a specialist, you obviously have to go to those particular camps. I'm not sure exactly. I think there's one maybe in Florida and possibly California. I'm not exactly sure about that. But that just goes to show you, you know, here we are. A lot of the people in, in the comments were basically trashing the kid, not necessarily always trashing the kid but trashing the school for putting him on full scholarship. And look, if you saw how we were (laughs) on special teams last year, if, 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 if last year taught you anything, it was definitely that, yes, we need more depth and we need a pass rush, but we definitely understand how special teams can win or lose you ball games. And so, Ricky Stromberg. I mean, you guys brought up some great points there. Ricky Stromberg is a perfect example of exactly how a guy can be under the radar. Not necessarily because people because scouts don't see him or because coaches don't see him. They just might not go to camps. And I guess that could be all exclusive to each other. But he. So yeah, I've still got a lot of things this summer to, to find out. Of course, you know you got fall, you got uh, fall camp coming up here in a couple of months, and I know most people have really switched their attention to football season i mean it's just crazy that we're a month and a half away or whatever it is somewhere around there i guess about two months somewhere in that range but uh but yeah it's exciting and then you know these times of years i remember as a high school athlete i definitely was not recruited to the extent of these names that we've been mentioning i wasn't even hardly recruited at all but uh But nonetheless, man, it's an exciting time for the kids and always, uh, love to, to check out their stuff. And so, well, we're up against a break and when we get back, we will talk about what I mentioned in the opening about the fan bases that we hate the most. You guys will be able to get your voices heard. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the hog talk podcast, part of the believe and hit that line podcast network with American national. You get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490 tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336 That's 479-347-9336 We're back on episode two oh one of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland, Porter Hayes, and Arkansas Fight, managing editor and godfather of the Hog Talk Podcast, Jacob Davis here with you. And guys, this is the segment that I've been very much looking forward to. We were talking about this in our group chat the other night, and just something that I think would definitely fill a segment in, basically an off season, at least it's an off season in terms of the Arkansas Razorbacks right now. And there has been a lot of talk. We went on an entire rant. Last Monday's show about people going after Tennessee fan base, Mississippi State, Texas, whatever have you, in the College World Series. And so we wanted to get your takes on the fan bases that you hate the most. And, of course, as you would expect, LSU, A&M, Ole Miss, Bama, Texas – Those were some of the most common ones that you heard. Now, Texas, obviously, there's plenty in our generation guys that that do not like the Longhorns, but I would say it was more so our parents' generation and before that that usually just had the absolute hatred to the extent that we might have for Ole Miss baseball or LSU in general, what have you. But I, I think you guys know this about me. I've told you plenty of times, but I'm actually one of the few who does not have a problem with LSU. I've never had anything but pleasant interactions with them I've had been to a couple of tailgates at Little Rock I've never been down to Baton Rouge but I've driven through there but I've never actually been there but I've I've been to a couple of tailgates with some LSU fans at at Little Rock I I was given food I was given cold beer one of my best friends in San Antonio was from Lake Charles a diehard LSU fan anytime I went to watch games with him I was given a beer I was given food and I was on an LSU podcast a couple months ago and they were all, all the people in the comments that would ask me questions were very nice. I got a couple of complimentary DMs after that. Just really good overall uh, interactions since, that I've ever had with them. Now, I'll talk about Ole Miss. I love any time that I get a chance to talk about how much I hate them in a bit, but... Jacob I'll go with you first you know I know if I remember correctly I mean I I know that you definitely don't like LSU you don't like Texas but maybe who's somebody under the radar that you, and I know that Ohio State's also obviously another popular one too and then Tennessee lately for baseball but maybe who's one that you wouldn't expect maybe not in the SEC is there anyone kind of under the radar there for you that you just absolutely cannot stand
0: you Arkansas fans listening to this podcast.
1: Wait, I think. Hang on, you broke out there. I don't think we got you at first. What was that?
0: Do we have any Northeast Arkansas uh, fans of the pod? uh,
1: you know, I might have some family. (laughs) I might have some family members up in that area that uh, occasionally listen. But I I think I know where you're going with this, though.
0: I don't like Arkansas State. I'm fired. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but nobody cares about y'all. Like no, no Razorback fan cares about having a rivalry against them. Like, I mean, nobody could care. I mean, nobody cares when they came up to Fayetteville uh, to bomb uh, Walker for that baseball game. I mean, Arkansas State was making it seem like it was the biggest deal. And to Arkansas fans and the players, it was probably just, uh, just another Tuesday at the ballpark.
1: I'll tell you one thing I realized with because I was like that in about 2012 2013 when all this stuff with Arkansas State really began happening I was the exact same way and I've come to realize and and a lot of Arkansas one of our uh, one of our avid listeners that's uh, been a great fan of ours and is always interacting Austin Foster shout out to you oh yeah I know that he yeah. is a Arkansas state alum and he and I have talked about it and he's like man look, there is a cult of just a few people that, for whatever reason, they hate the Razorbacks. Most most of the the Arkansas State alums, I think, share kind of where you're at, Jacob, in, in terms of at least like, hey, the, that little crew over there that wants to dog the Razorbacks and yep. hate anything that has to do with Northwest Arkansas. So I think that it's just like really a select few, and I kind of have learned to realize that. And a big one that really made me understand that, so in my other podcast that I do, Gridiron Icons, in one of the episodes uh, I featured the the late great Bill Keedy, former Newport yep. head coach, who was a play-by-play guy for Arkansas State up until when he passed. And uh, you know his the the people of Newport that I've talked to have been really great. And most people since you're that's on the way to Northeast Arkansas. There's a lot of A State fans there. Really great people. And then uh, a guy that I've kind of become friends with, Philip Butterfield. He's going to be on their broadcast team too. And so I'm a little bit connected in a way just because I've I've gained friendships with a couple of them. But. I do have to agree with you, though. Those people that just all of a sudden, when Arkansas got bad after Petrino left, it did become pretty nauseating because it's like, hey, we've we've never come after you. And and look, I do understand some of the old school people, too, that hated how Barnhill and Broyles, and they didn't want that in-state rivalry, and other people do. Look, I understand all that, too. But it's like you're coming after someone that clearly, yes, okay, you might have done really well in the Sun Belt all these years, but again... I do. I'll give the Arkansas State fans, or at least most of them, a little bit of credit and say that I do get that, like, there's just a cult of them that just kind of want to come after Razorback fans for whatever reason, but it's definitely not all, all Red Wolf fans. But for that crew, I do completely agree with you there, Jacob.
0: yeah. Now, and then another thing I, I heard you mention Philip Butterfield, going to be a part of that, uh, that broadcast team. You know what? I still I still dislike that guy. He beat us in the two thousand and eight uh uh state championship game, uh uh Lake Hamilton versus versus Zelda. It was a it was a one position ball game and and I still can't stand that guy. I mean he was he was still at bread and butterfield. Couldn't do anything wrong for Steve Sullivan. <laughs> but uh, no. No no I I, I like old
2: I liked old Butterfield. He's a good guy. So, before I get into mind, you know, to clarify the whole Arkansas State thing, it's like, how, how many of these Arkansas State fans really, truly thought that they would play? You know, Arkansas and Arkansas State. You know, it's easy to throw a rock at a dog when he's in the fence. You know, he, he's never going to come get you. So, they kept on and kept on piling on. Well, we're going to see in a couple of years what's going to happen when they meet in one more stadium. And I think that's the biggest part of it. You know, they... And, and they have a little chip on their shoulder. I don't care if it's a school like Arkansas Tech. You know, they got that chip on their shoulder like we're not good enough to ever play Arkansas because they don't see us as a threat or Arkansas is not going to gain anything. So from a fan span, uh, standpoint and people who have played there at Arkansas State, I can see where they would have that animosity towards Arkansas. But yet, and, and to their real reality, they never thought this game would happen. They thought they could just always throw their shade and they could always dog Arkansas, and they're like, oh, they'll never come play us. Well, now it's changed, and now you ain't heard, ever since Arkansas started winning and now we're playing this game, how, how many Arkansas State fans have you heard chirping before last year? It's going to quiet. So, I mean, that tells you enough right there.
1: Yeah. Well, I thought one thing that was really funny, talking about, like, lower teams, uh, one of the comments that we had on Facebook was from uh, Michael Hogue, and he said the teams that he hated was Louisiana, Monroe, Citadel, San Jose State, North Texas, and Toledo. Not really, but those were some bad losses. I think that was yeah. my favorite. Because, I mean, a lot of these pretty much – and I, and as we expected, most people had the same – like you had, saw a lot of Texas and LSU at the top of the list. And, of course, like I mentioned just a second ago, Tennessee baseball. But, look, I, I definitely didn't care for a lot of the things that Tennessee baseball did this year. But I just – I love – Love, love, any time I get to talk about how much I hate Ole Miss because they've never done anything. They're the only school in the SEC West. Now, I'm not counting Texas A&M because they've joined since the merger. They're the only school in the SEC West that has never been to the SEC Championship, and which, of course, we can think of 4th and 25 play for the reason why they haven't made it, at least in 2015 basketball they went on that run what was it in 2013 when marshall henderson was flipping off auburn fans and doing all kinds of crazy antics and then also to baseball you got mike bianco extremely overrated overpaid just hooping and jiving and tick tocking and whatever he has his team do all the time to be number one in the preseason and and do pretty well for the most part during the regular season and and i will say this i got to give it even though i thought it was stupid for the coaching staff to allow tim elko to play I got to give it to that guy. He put everything on the field. He played apparently with like two torn ACLs. And again, while I don't think that's the most intelligent thing to do in the world, I got to at least give him credit where credit's due. Mikey Bianco in what 20 years has been to one college world series. And people just think that he sets the world on fire. You look at the LSU big three in sports. Look, I understand that they won a sugar bowl like five years ago and all that. But the thing about it is Hugh freeze cheated and still couldn't win. Again, I know he had that Sugar Bowl win, but outside of that, what did he do? With all that talent, he had, what, like two top five classes? And, yes, he had some injuries. Bo Wallace tore his ACL. I remember that when we beat them 30 to nothing. But I just can't stand them. They're literally – they're all bark, no bite. And I just – I mean, I hate the state of Mississippi. I have no problem saying that I hate the state of Mississippi, too. I'm sorry. I've got a few friends that are from there. But every time – I drove through there a couple of weeks ago to the beach, and it's like the cesspool of America. And, look – I understand that Arkansas is right behind them and ab- or right above them in education and this and that. But the beauty to this state, hey, we've at least got a president. Maybe Whether people claim him or not, we've still got a president from here. We've still got the Waltons. We've still got all kinds of stuff. What's Mississippi got? A bunch of like beaches that their, <laughs> their water looks like chocolate milk? I mean, really, what do they have besides that? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, sorry, but actually, no, I'm not sorry. I, I, I don't have a problem with Mississippi State. I actually do respect their baseball team. I've never really had a problem with any of their athletics. I can stomach them, but Ole Miss and pretty much the rest of the state of the Mississippi, I actually have to, I have no care in the world for whatsoever.
2: If I was to have to pick a SEC school for Arkansas, because it's no hidden secret who my most hatred team is in the SEC, and that's South Carolina. I don't care if they're playing water polo. I don't want to win in nothing. Nothing. No game at all do I want, and there's no – way I would ever root for Carolina in any sport. That's just the way I've always felt, the way I was raised. But when it comes to Arkansas, mine's Missouri because in football, you know you're a better program, but you can't say anything because they haven't beat them. Yeah, I think that's what makes a rivalry, even though it's one-sided, it makes you, at least when Alabama comes to town and they blow your doors off, you accept it because they're the better team. But when continuously you see a team like Missouri come into Fayetteville or Little Rock, or you're going to Columbia, and you continue to lose to them. And I guess the same can be said about Texas A&M in some years where they've been better. But to continuously see them lose to a team like Missouri, and you hate them because you know you're better than them, but you can't do nothing about it because they keep beating you. So kind of from an outsider's perspective, that would be the one that would irritate me the most, because... When it comes to the flip side of this, you know, I think we've posed this question, you know, how many lists are Arkansas on? You know, where does Arkansas rank on the list of LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas A&M? Maybe Missouri. That'd be about it in football. And, you know, Kyle, you are talking about earlier, like, well, you go to these places and they're so nice to you. It's because I think in a way the SEC kind of feels, i sorry for Arkansas yeah. in football.
1: Oh, no, I've and thought, the, I've talked well, and I've, told you nope. guys, I've told you guys the stories when I was in San Antonio and people would come up to me and literally pat me on the back. That is, a, I'm not joking when I tell that story. I literally had people come up to the grocery store, come up to me at the grocery store and pat me on the back because things were so bad. And Porter, that's a great point because I, I'm sure I've mentioned before that plenty of A&M fans, plenty of UT fans. Now, old UT fans, they do care about the Razorbacks in a very, very negative way. I don't even know if I've ever told you guys. They this should story. be thanking us. Yeah, like we no, gave they them should. A
2: championship. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and
1: I, I, this is a story I'm not sure that I've ever told on air, but I, I think I've mentioned it to you guys. But when I went to the Texas series, so in 2019, Arkansas came to Austin, and I was only about an hour away from there. So me and a couple of my buddies who are UT fans went, and there was a two game series. Wiki was pitching in the game one that I went to and i just stood up and called there was just like we always do we travel really well and we all stood up to call the hogs well there was a couple of guys that were near me that were probably around my dad's age so like early to mid 60s and they didn't really care for the hog call well i had a couple of beers in me so i of course you know was jawing back a little bit and, you know i said hey man you know y'all y'all uh stop allowing us to hit home runs and to, to score runs and i'll stop calling the hogs how about that and they didn't really appreciate that too much and you know the one of them actually kind of got up and started to come towards me and it, it could have gotten bad i didn't charge him or anything but i say all that to say that the old school texas fans they definitely still care about the razorbacks I think Ole Miss might, and I think that Missouri does to an extent. Missouri just loves to talk crap, because, like you said, Porter. I mean, they've they've sadly got our number in that. That I, uh, I think
2: uh, Ole Miss was during the Nut years. I think Houston yeah, Nut yeah. had a thing because they would one they would play in Little Rock a lot and the proximity to Ole Miss. You know, Oxford and Little Rock and Fayetteville. You know, it was about I don't know on offhand, but I think it's almost the same distance. So Ole Miss always would bring a lot of fans to War Memorial Stadium and. I don't know what it was between Nutt and Ole Miss, but it was kind of like how, you know, under different coaches, certain teams have your number. And it's like Nutt would always go at it with Ole Miss. I think that's where that Ole Miss, because you didn't have Missouri at the time. That was kind of the closest SEC school you had other than LSU, and that was another big one. But we're all going back to when they were good, the Texas series. That was one of the biggest rivalries in the 60s and 70s is when Arkansas and Texas – we're good. That's why that hate. That's why you hear Clay Henry talk about that hate because of the 69 game. You know, the games that Arkansas could have won and won a national championship, Texas took something from them, you know? Yeah. So it all goes into that. And now we're at the state of our football program that it's, Jacob, it's kind of like I see now SEC looks at us like we look at Arkansas State. It's poor little brother in Fayetteville. And, and when they start getting good, it's going to start changing. We're, we're already starting to see that in basketball. Look how many rivalries we're going to start in basketball with Alabama, you know, and Auburn, stuff like that. And now look at um, you know, basketball, then you got baseball. We've just started a new rivalry at baseball, and it starts when you hate the other team. Like, I am glad, honestly, that Vitello did not go to LSU. I wanted him to stay in Tennessee because it was starting something that was good for baseball. Baseball needs these good rivalries again where a team from the West and East can get together and it balances out the East and the baseball instead of by coming to LSU, rebuilding that program, and then Tennessee just falls to the wayside again. Yeah, uh, I agree
0: with that. I've got a couple of things here when it, when it comes to the whole old Miss deal. Uh, I was reading uh, a book by uh, oh, who's it? Uh, Rick, Rick Schaefer, and it's that little Razorback uh, history book that uh, has all the pictures and everything. Yep. And I was, I was reading it and you know, Ole Miss and Arkansas had a fierce rival for, for about the first up until 1960. Uh, they, they canceled the series after that because the series got so heated. They had to cancel the rivalry. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you don't hear that very much anymore, but the two teams didn't play for 20, nearly 20 years until Arkansas, uh, I moved over to the SEC and, you know, that, that was how heated that rivalry was. I mean, was it as heated as the Egg Bowl? I don't know. I'll have to read the history books uh, between uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss but for a while, Ole Miss and Arkansas were the rivalry of the South and, you know, I go back to thinking about, you know, how Porter was talking about, oh, man, they just feel sorry for us because we were the uh, little brother. I go back to the 2014 season and thinking about how close Arkansas was to breaking through each week. And you didn't at that point, Arkansas was two seasons into a, a rebuilding effort. And you, you were thinking, oh man, we haven't I mean, we've been competitive in the SEC from the nineties through the two thousands, early two thousands, and here we are just coming fresh off a of eleven and two season, two seasons ago and and we're rebuilding and, and man, the gut wrenching loss after A and M. I, I sat there and I was I was so mad because they they called that tripping hold on Dan Skipper on an 80 yard scamper by Jonathan Williams and got him down to the one yard line. Uh, Arkansas would if they would have scored there, it made a 21 point ball game. And you just think about it, you're, you're sick mm-hmm. because you want to beat Texas A&M, and you think about the the 14 game against Missouri, and you're just right there from uh, winning. Uh, three games in a row instead of three out of the forty in that season, and Missouri just takes it from you, and you know you don't, and you think you you're, you're just right there, and you just start to hate them, and you beat them in fifteen, and nobody really cares, and then the guy punked this little red headed, squirrely headed linebacker from Missouri, punked us in twenty sixteen, and you're just like, it's just right there. Mm-hmm. We are better than them. We are historically a better program than these guys, and we're sitting here taking a beating year after year in the year, and then and then we go in 2018 and 2019 and get freaking embarrassed, and now 2020 comes, and we blow another 20-point lead. You're like, hey, what in the heck do we have to do to get past Missouri? Yeah, I don't consider them a rival, but I freaking hate their yeah, guts. Yeah, Missouri and Texas A&M, man. I
1: mean,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: yeah, it's like you just can't think. I mean, to think about the fact that this is going to be – are we at 10 years? Is this year going to be possibly this 10 is, years that we lose to Yeah, it's the 10th year. Okay, so this will be because the, yeah. the last time I, the last time we won, I was there, so maybe I need to make sure and go this year. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was the good luck charm. I don't know. For once in my life, maybe I was a good luck charm sports-wise. But I, I'll tell you guys, I definitely think out of all – obviously, the Egg Bowl is probably – like, Jacob, you just talked about – you touched on that – that's definitely Ole Miss's big rivalry, but I, I certainly do think that there is plenty of hatred on that football team because you look at 2014, we beat them 30 to nothing. 2015, fourth and 25. 2016, Santos Ramirez pops Chad Kelly ends the game on that fumble. 2017, come back down 31 to seven, and then of course they win 2018, 2019, and then this past year you just throttled. I mean Matt Corral going to possibly be the best quarterback coming back in the SEC. He's going to be one of the best quarterbacks coming back this next season. He's going to be, you know, on a tear or at least want to be on a tear for this Razorback defense for what we did to him last year. But yeah, that's it's just so frustrating because we've been so close—2014, 2015, and then 2017. It was also in 2018 too. We really had no business playing with them, but we were within a touchdown. Had they we not given up that? You go back to that uh, back to yep. special teams that opening. I think it was the opening kickoff or not too long after the the coin toss that they we gave up the kickoff return for the touchdown and that was essentially yep. what and i understand i preach all the time that it's a 60 minute game but it's just so frustrating because it's just mizzou and AM, those two man just to think about if you would have had just one of those games in a couple of different years you know you could it could have turned the tide for the season but yeah, that, that the whole Missouri thing, especially with me having so many family members from Missouri um, you know it's definitely very frustrating of course, there's been a plenty of heated arguments between us about Mike Anderson and all this stuff but
2: but there was a couple Well, of well another thing about Missouri is you got to think I think a lot of this might be one of them hidden things is you know Arkansas, yeah, they've had their success in the 90s and 2000s and then kind of fallen off the wayside. Of You've got to look at what Missouri's done. They got lucky and went to the East, and they've had some success, and they've had some mediocre teams, but yet they've made it to the SEC championship game. And didn't they make it two years in a row or something like that? The Mizzou SEC
1: championship yes, Mizzou did. Game? Okay, they, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So I think there's some and there's some yeah, jealousy yeah. there. There's like, man, these guys, they you know, they don't belong in the SEC. They need to go back to the Big Twelve. And now they come in and, one, you get it affected by recruiting with Missouri and Texas A&M coming into your conference because you were the lone one right there in the, the western part of the SEC where you could go to Missouri, Oklahoma, and put little of part of Texas, which your your Dallas area. Now you got Texas A&M and Missouri, and I think that caused a lot of jealousy. And then the fact that Missouri was doing something. They got to go to the east, and they didn't have to play in the west like Arkansas does. It it cur- It's just a whole lot of things that make, and a lot of it is, if they would have not have made the battle line trophy and not tried to force the rivalry, I think it would be more of a natural rivalry.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. They're definitely that was, I guess you could say, a Jeff Long thing big time. It was really wanting to do that, but I I don't really think that. you might see, continue, and there's been plenty of debate, and we'll debate about this for a long time, but with the recruiting battles and, of course, Eli Drinkwitz being from Arkansas and Sam Pittman and him starting their head coaching careers at the same time. Well, I guess the SEC head coaching careers. Eli was a head coach at Appalach- Appalachian State previously, but it could eventually turn into that. But like you said, Porter, that one was forced, and rivalries are just not forced. They are made from... Things like what we saw with with Ole Miss with crazy-type games or having having something on the line like an SEC West title. Obviously, you're not going to have an SEC West title between Mizzou and Arkansas, but I'm just saying that it, it's it's recruiting. But I mean, Dave Van Horn and Tony Vitalo, or Tony Vitalo as they say, that's a perfect example right there going over to baseball. What was their whole spat? Now, I understand that they've got history together, but what was that whole argument about? It was about recruiting. And so, yes, rivalries can certainly be formed in recruiting, whether that be coaching, whether that be players, whether that be fan bases. And so I think that's definitely a big part. Or <laughs> you look at certain things. Like, for instance, uh, like with with Tennessee, I don't necessarily think that, yes – The Dave Van Horn and the Tony Vitello little scuffle deal, or whatever you want to call it, that certainly amplified everything. But I think when really Razorback fans understood, like, "Hey, we hate Tennessee," now is when their their guy hit that walk off home run and then grabbed his junk right in front of the dugout. Look, I'm all about celebrating. But you want to probably want to make sure that that's the game, the series clinching win, not just a game clinching win before you're going to do that. And so it could be a, a whole bunch of different things. You know, each pe- each person has their opinion, and that's the whole reason why we're having this conversation right now is because we want people to get their voices out there. And, and you know, I would I would read off more. I mean, we literally had like 250 comments on Facebook. Which again, guys, thank you so much for getting involved. In this we love it when you guys interact with us like we truly do. But the majority of them are the same things. They hate Kentucky in basketball. They some of them said North Carolina. They hate Texas football. They hate Ole Miss. And then we saw a lot of the new uh, the new Tennessees. And I saw some random ones in there too. That uh, you know, like we played OU was in there a couple of times. Saw Notre Dame. I saw a USC, which we, you know, I know that we got blasted by them about fifteen years ago, two years in a row. But but nonetheless, I mean, I know I just I just know that I'm really ready for us to. Be back at a point, and I felt like for the most part we were back at this point last year, but it's just going to be nice again when we can actually stick up with these rivalries like, you know, the LSU game, for instance. It doesn't have quite the luster that it once had since it's not the day after Thanksgiving like it used to be, and again, LSU fans hate Alabama, but overall, you know, uh, I think that that it's just going to be nice again when we start beating mizzou because i would say beating him again it's only happened one time in the last what 10 years or so i think jacob when was the last time we played him before we started playing him in 2013 oh the cotton bowl oh, so we got it was
0: 2008 yeah cotton we got bowl. yeah
1: we got blasted in the cotton bowl when houston Nutt left and then we then we beat him in the independence bowl in 2004. 2003 so, yeah 2003 yeah yeah, yeah. so
0: after after 2004,
1: yeah. Yeah, two thousand three yeah. season, I guess two thousand four bowl game. Uh Matt, I think that was Matt yeah. Jones's uh either his no, that wasn't his last game was, because his last game no. uh, was against LSU when we didn't make a bowl and he had like a really bum hamstring injury. So Well guys, that was a fun one. And uh Jacob, as always, man, we love having you on. Yeah, you know, welcome back anytime. I mean, hell, you did create this thing, so I mean you can definitely uh <laughs> come back anytime. Always love your insight, but Before we get off of here... I want to make a quick announcement. Uh, Porter, Cabo, and myself, uh, we decided to have a little talk uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and we're going to reschedule our shows for the summertime, mainly just because, look, you know, we love doing what we do. Uh, I'm extremely thankful to be a part of a team that that has guys that that wake up every single day that are willing to uh, to work their jobs and also grind hard and try to get as much content as we can out there. I'm just beyond thankful to have To work with the team that I do, and and we came to an agreement that uh, we're going to do just one show a week starting next Wednesday. So we're going to do them every Wednesday up until football season. That's really just kind of for us to spend a little bit more time with our families on the weekend. There's not as much content during the summer, so we're going to try to do about an at least an hour long show, hour hour and fifteen minute show with two different segments. Have some. We got a lot of uh, big time guests lined up some of the stuff from the TBT tournament that's going to be going on in July. And also, too, I'm going to be pretty busy with some high school stuff, getting content out there for the high school football season that's coming up. And so it's really just a matter of, uh, you know, we're going to try to take some time with our families for this summer and and spend some time before the real grind begins uh, during football season. And so we'll post this on our social medias for a reminder. But, yes, it'll be from uh, each Wednesday moving forward up until what is that, uh, September 4th that we kick off. So I guess the first week of September is when we'll get back to our regular uh, Monday and Friday schedules. But uh, other than that, guys, I think that's that's pretty much going to do it. That was a, that was a fun one. I, I, I definitely think it was pretty civil considering we were talking about teams that we hate for the most part.
2: Yeah. And, and Jacob, <laughs> before we go, for real, I mean, we didn't make a big announcement about it, but this is – Obviously, episode 201, you know, and we didn't make a big announcement about 200, but we're kind of saved that for 250. But kind of reflecting, man, what, what do you feel? You know, we made it to 200 episodes. Just talk about the journey. You've been there from the beginning. We've been together since the early goings, you know, looking at it 200 episodes in and and where and we're going to be going. We got a couple of announcements coming up soon. And so, so talk about the journey, episode one to episode 201. Yeah. I'll try to make it real quick. So episode one, I didn't know what I was doing.
0: I had a microphone, a old laptop, and I edited how I, how I thought I could. Like, it was tough. Like the first, guess maybe three episodes, uh, were tough editing and putting out there. And it was, and it was disappointing early on because you, you look at, uh, the, the podcast stats and they were only like, Oh, a hundred downloads. I mean, that's pretty, it was pretty good early on. Like a hundred downloads. Okay, cool. You are listening, people are tuning in and, and you start getting the bigger guests and, and the cooler things, uh, like, like having drew Morgan, having, uh, the voice of the Razorback football and basketball, Chuck Barrett, you had, uh, you started getting momentum and you had, uh, Phil Elson on it and, and you start getting these guys, you start getting, you know, you work hard and you're finally getting the breaks and to hit 20,000 likes on Facebook, seeing, uh, our Twitter page almost hit 6,000 followers, you know, that that's a testament, not to uh, only our hard work, but the fans who appreciate our product. And, and I, I appreciate y'all for, for continuing to, to be with these guys and, and Kyle adding Kyle and having Porter, and adding the guru Kevin Bohannon on there, and then in, in the behind the scenes uh, logo art by uh, Keith Kelly, he he does a terrific job. We have a solid team here, and what we built uh, can only <laughs> continue to be built by the fans and having more fan input. and And I appreciate every single thing, and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the the fans. I would have hung it up in the beginning, but it wasn't if, if it wasn't for the fans.
1: Yeah, that's and,
0: and they've made what it, they've made it
1: what it is. Absolutely. I mean, I just, uh, think you took the words right out of my mouth. And, you know, I definitely, I, I know some of the things that we say is repetitive, but we just, we can't express our appreciation enough. You know, I was, I've told this story many times. It's a quick one. Uh, you know, I was pretty much at the point where I didn't know if I wanted to do this anymore right before I joined the hog talk. Not that I didn't love it, but I was by myself. I was fighting an uphill battle, even though I had a close relationship with you guys. At the end of the day, we still kind of were competition in a way. And I just, there's no way I could keep up with with uh, what you guys were doing and you know, Jacob, you you and and Porter and uh, you know, the crew, you guys extended the offer and, and uh, you know, it's been one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. And so, but you know, it's because of what you guys did, the opportunity that y'all gave me. But again, like Jacob said, and like we continue to always say as as many times as we can without people listening, without people interacting, then uh, we wouldn't be here. And so, yeah, it's amazing to 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 200 episodes. And, Yeah, on to 250 from here. And so, but uh, again, each Wednesday you can catch us uh, from next week on until football season. And, uh, well, again, we've got a lot of great, got a great uh, lineups coming up for you, some great guests. We'll do a baseball draft preview, some TBT previews, and also have plenty of guests for upcoming football content. But, other than that, guys, the show again was presented to you by Bet Online. You can find us anywhere on social media Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And again, be sure and subscribe to the pod if you have not already. But other than that, for Porter Hayes and Jacob Davis, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you next week.
2: Thank you for listening to Believe.